to Dark Discussions, your place for the discussion of horror film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. A weekly podcast here. The discussion is about the most recent horror and genre films. Intelligent talk on a genre that deserves intelligence. A conversation between co-hosts discussing not only the film, but also the connotation that the directors and screenwriters are trying to articulate. When you want more than a review, listen to Dark Discussions. And speaking of perception, there's just one more scene I want to talk about, which is after Caleb discovers that Kyoto's a robot, Kyoto kind of peels off her skin, showing him what's underneath. Now, wait a minute. I know where you're going with this, but tell me you weren't already thinking this 15 minutes earlier in the film. Exactly what he's thinking at that moment. Which is he's a robot, too. Oh, I consider the possibility. Right, and that's what I like, is the fact that the writers are smart enough to know that this is what the audience would be thinking. We've all seen Blade Runner. <laughs> right. www.darkdiscussions.com Wherever podcasts are found. Hello, welcome once again to Dark Discussions, your place for discussion of horror film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the state of Michigan. This is Eric. Eric, how are you, sir? I am well. Excellent. And in the state of New York? Hi, this is Mike. Mike, how are you, sir? I'm fine, Phil. How are you? I'm doing all right. And in the Commonwealth of Virginia? Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how are you? Good. Excellent. Uh, so, for folks who are new to the podcast or otherwise, uh, this is the Dark Discussions Podcast, which is www.darkdiscussions.com. It's a website that has a number of podcasts that your co-hosts here uh, do. Uh, basically, Dark Discussions Podcast is the original podcast of the network. And it's been around for 12 to 13 years now. Uh, we are recording this on December 28th, 2023. Uh, for some of our listeners like Pam, who are always curious when we release our episodes, because sometimes they're, or I should say, when we record our episodes, because sometimes they're released uh, not right away, though this one will be released uh, pretty quickly, probably uh, maybe even tomorrow, because of the, well, actually it'll be released on January 1st, uh, because uh, it is timely to uh the new year um so uh what we have we have an email dark discussions at aol.com where you can email us uh your um i guess your your questions your concerns your comments uh just write ddp in the email address subject line uh, the, not the address, but the subject line, and then whatever your subject is, uh, so we can search DDP through our email uh, inbox, and those will pop up right away because they get mixed in with all the other podcast emails as well as the screeners and stuff that are sent to us. So uh, we will read your emails on the podcast. We have a Facebook group called Dark Discussions Podcast Facebook group where you can uh, join in the conversation. And we do have a uh, website, as mentioned, uh, darkdiscussions.com. And Eric, what else can people find on that website besides podcasts and articles and whatever? Well, they can find a link to our Patreon account, Phil. Patreon is an online service that allows you to contribute financially to your art and line artists like us. Uh, producing this show is not free. We have to pay for things like uh, web domain names and 
website hosting and computer equipment and movie tickets and so on and so forth. So if you'd like to help offset the cost of producing this show, that's how you can do it. You can go to patreon.com slash dark discussions or click on the Patreon badge you can find on any page of darkdiscussions.com. Indeed. And uh, next week, actually, we will be picking a new uh, movie from the, the list uh, of contributors to uh, – Patreon, uh, they get to choose uh, for every $5 that they donate uh, a film for us to possibly do based off of uh, a spreadsheet we have where we put all the films together and we then do a randomizer and pull out one of those films. Uh, so maybe we'll even get to one of those films in January of 2024. Uh, crazy 2024. Um, now, uh, let's see. So uh, that's pretty much uh, the opening uh, of the podcast. Uh, so we're doing a, a different podcast than we usually do, as we mentioned before, uh, or I actually didn't mention it yet, but I'll do that now. Our dark discussions. Uh, basically, we talk about uh, films, so horror, sci-fi, fantasy, thrillers, techno thrillers, mysteries, grindhouse, outhouse, midnight movies, cult films, drive-in fair, foreign language films, and the like. Basically, we try to talk intelligently about a genre that deserves intelligence. Uh, but this week, rather than doing an episode on a specific film, whether new or old, uh, we're doing something special. And since this was an item uh, that Mike brought up a few years ago for us to do, uh, I'll have him talk about it. But I will say one thing. It has always been one of our most uh, downloaded episodes yearly um, when, when you take a 365-day time frame, since obviously this is uh, the end of the year. But we're going to release this on the 1st, so it'll get the full 2024 effect. Um, and it'll probably be one of our top loaded, uh, downloaded episodes. And uh, Mike, what, what is this? What, what do we do? What, what is this suggesting you do? And what is it that we do for this uh, amazing holiday called New Year's Day? Yeah, well, it started, like you said, it started a few years ago. I've lost track how many. Um, but, you know, everyone like, like likes to do, say, a, 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 maybe a Christmas-themed horror film for Christmas or, a, you know, um, you know, a Halloween-themed horror film around Halloween. And, you know, there really isn't a lot for New Year's Eve um, or New Year's Day. But New Year's, we do make resolutions, and there's always um, – Something that we all have long lists of movies that we've always wanted to see, but never quite got around to, to watching. And so the idea of this was a New Year's resolution to finally watch something off of that list, right? Not a rewatch, doesn't have to end, but and certain not something new, but something that we've just need to get off of that list. And that's kind of been been nicknamed now the bucket list, right? What's a movie on our bucket list that we've just never caught up to? Uh, and so this is giving us an excuse, and that's really what it was. It was an excuse to watch something that we want to watch, but maybe don't ever get around to doing. So this kind of forces us to to make that leap. Indeed, indeed. And uh, so we've had a number of numerous choices, uh, some cult films, while well, some huge uh, films that people have just missed, um, and we uh, are going to do that again tonight. Um, so I think, uh, like I've I've done uh, things like North by Northwest, uh, and I've also done Tarantula. You know, so it's just it's it swings for and I did Touch of Evil. Um, so it's it, it swung a bit depending on sometimes they're they're uh, award winning films or. Partially important films, and sometimes it's just 
B-movie schlock that you've just had on your radar forever. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, and uh, I've done that too. Um, uh, I did uh, the the Freaks, that film from way, way back. Um, and then, for example, I did uh, the film that Quentin Tarantino loves, um, that uh, Death Proof was kind of inspired by. And uh, that film... Uh, if I can even remember it because it's been so long ago. Uh, good Lord, I can't even remember the name of it. Uh, uh, blah, blah, blah. I can't remember. That is terrible. It will always be a mystery. It always will be a mystery. Or maybe I remember what movie you're talking about and just don't want to tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it could be that. Uh, and I, I kind of liked it, too. Um and if I, I do look it up from the past, which I can kind of look in the past. Um, and, Wouldn't it be uh, handy if all the episodes were listed on the website? Yes. Yeah. Well, this, <laughs> this one, this one is, this one, this one is uh, uh, on the website, and this one is called it's the same year that Mike did uh, uh, Eyes Without a Face, and uh, I did, it's Vanishing Point. So I did. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, so we had a lot. We had them, the Mummy from 1932, The Vanishing Point, Eyes Without a Face, um, David Cronenberg's uh, um, first film or second film, I think, actually, uh, Rabid. Uh, we had Blowout. We had the the 1961, The Innocence. So yeah, a, a very eclectic group of genre pictures um, and whatnot. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, get into. Uh, our topics tonight and, and how we usually do it is we do it in alphabetical order by first name. And what we usually do is talk 15 to 20 minutes on the film, give a background of uh, who made it and all that after uh, our uh, person that picked it for their bucket list uh, gives their thoughts on the film and why they had took so long to watch it and things of that nature. Uh, so uh, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, right. I mean, uh, anything else anybody wanted to add? No, let's do it. All right, sounds good. Sir. Sounds good. But uh, I'm going to ask you this anyway, Eric. Since uh, without asking you, it would not be a true dark discussions podcast. Which is, Eric, what are we going to discuss tonight? Okay, there you go. <laughs> All right. All right. And then I have to do uh, the wiki. Wiki, wiki. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's get into our picks tonight. So uh, alphabetical order. Uh, we have uh, Barrett. Barrett. You uh, get the pick. All right. Or, or explain your, your choice. So <clears throat> I've been talking about um, watching Italian Italian directed films um, like Fulci, um, Federa, Dario Argento. So I decided to go with the movie City of the Living Dead that I've never seen before. Oh, um, it's yeah. Part one of his seven or of his Gates of Hell series. Yeah, um, and so yeah, I picked this one. It is from 1980. It's directed by Fulci, um, Lucio Fulci. Uh, the actors in the movie, um, I, I really don't know any of them because <laughs> I was maybe like 11 at the time, and I really wasn't that much back then. Um, Christopher George, Catriona McCall. Carlo DeMejo, Antonella Interlenghi, 
Giovanni Lombardo Radice, um, Daniela Doria, Fabrizio Jovin, and Janet Agren. That's the the list on Wikipedia. There, it's a much bigger list, but um, the movie itself is a. I guess you could say it's a zombie film. Um, it's. I found it quite interesting. <laughs> um, I didn't know if I was going to like it or not. You know, not like it. It's. It kind of has a Cthulhu feel to it because it takes part in uh, Dunwich, which I thought was pretty interesting. It is not. It might. I'm not sure if it was done in Italian or not because I only had an English version. Um, Actually, I can explain how it's done. It's uh, done in all languages. So every actor in the film speaks their own language. And then if it's Italian, then they dub everybody else Italian except the people who spoke Italian. And if it's in English, they they do the same thing and so on and so forth. So it's an interesting thing that the Europeans uh, did back in the day. Yeah, that's pretty cool because I, w- I was watching it going, this feels like it's been dubbed, but there's I know this guy's an American actor <laughs> and he doesn't seem to be dubbed. So, yeah, that's kind of neat. Um, so it's got a good uh, feel to the movie. It's very dread inspired um, in the beginning. How far do we go into the plot? I don't remember. As, as much as you want. What, what do you think okay. is necessary? Yeah. Cool. And so a priest basically um, kills himself, hangs himself, and by doing so, he opens the gates of hell. <laughs> so the the people that um, die come back to life, and they start hunting regular humans. Um, in the very beginning, there's a weird seance that goes on um, that is happening at the same time that this priest kills himself, or at least that's what it appears like. And some of the characters from that seance are involved in the actual story throughout. Um, Once those people start coming back to life, there's lots of interesting kills. Uh, It over relies on the, I grab the back of your head, squeeze your skull and your brain start oozing out. (laughs) That happens. I I can't even count the number of times that happens. However, there is one really cool, well done um, effect in this movie that, you know, of course, doesn't have CGI because it was before CGI. Um, There's a guy who gets a drill bit pushed through his head and out the other side. And it's like a one and a half to two inch thick drill bit. That is a really cool yeah, it's a really cool scene. I don't understand that's a why big that fucking drill bit. I don't know why it's there or what it's used for, but it's just convenient to the guy that wants to kill him at the time. <laughs> and it's the one murder in the whole movie. Like the guy kills him, and the guy that kills him is not a zombie. He just wants to kill him because huh. <laughs> he was trying to get with his daughter. Anyway, well, okay, there you it go. Is, yeah, it's a really cool. Um, Cool scene. Uh, just for that yeah. effect alone is worth watching. Um, and the end is kind of strange. Um, it looks like they win. They destroy the priest and all the zombies burn. And then there's a kid in the film and it's got that typical 70s kid feel to it. Um, I'm sure you guys know what I mean by that. But in the end, the kid's running towards them and all of a sudden this big crack comes on the screen and then there's a scream. And that's how it ends. 
And I don't really understand why they did that. I, I looked around online and people are saying that um, it's saying that basically they didn't win and all these different theories. But uh, maybe I'll understand more if I watch the other two movies trilogy, because um, the next one is called The Beyond. And I do plan on watching that. Um, so, yeah, it's a it's a fun film. There's a lot of violence. There's some cool um eye bleeding scenes um so it's 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 good it's not it's it's better than i expected so but and i didn't have to watch subtitles which you know i don't like but i'm trying to get past and i was expecting it to be subtitled and so i had sat down just focused on this movie so that i could do this review now uh this is your first Lucio Fucci film and probably your first Italian horror film. Um, and you said it was pretty decent. Um, it's not my first. Suspiria oh. would be my first. That's the only oh, one yeah. that I've seen, though, up until this point. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so uh, would you uh, revisit other Fucci films after this one? Yeah, maybe Absolutely. The other two. Yeah. yeah. What about yeah. the other two Two in his, his uh, Hell, Gates of Hell trilogy? I definitely plan on finishing this trilogy. Um, the His... his uh, Special effects are really well done. I'm, I'm pretty impressed for when this came out in 80. It's it's pretty good. So, yeah, he he, he does a good job, I think. So I'm going to definitely check out his films. Right, right. Yeah, it's one of those interesting films that uh, uh, back in the day when we had uh, A and B films, um, these type of films, uh, whether they were good or not, whether they were low budget or not, uh, were always secondary markets such as uh, uh, 42nd Street theaters yeah. Or, yeah. or or drive-in theaters. Yeah. Um, and and uh, for whatever reason, um, years later, um, they all came back probably because of people like Quentin Tarantino and Eli Roth who uh, began promoting folks like the, like um, – uh, Lucio Fucci as as uh, good filmmakers. Um, I I actually seen this film. I, I bought the disc, um, the Blu-ray, and uh, I watched it a few years ago, uh, maybe three or four years ago. And uh, I do remember liking it, but oddly, I don't remember too much about it. Um, it's a weird film. So as far as the plot goes, there is a plot, and it makes sense, but. Everything in between there is kind of disjointed feeling because of it's got that whole Cthulhu feel. Um, so it'd be it would be easy to forget what is going on. <laughs> right, right, and, and and a lot of a lot of times uh, these type of films uh, were set piece films in a sense. Yeah, right, yep. yeah, yeah, because they wanted to, uh, um, I guess, uh, have have moments that would say, make people go tell their friends and have their friends come and see it. Um, well, and there were also a lot more characters in this movie than I expected, and sometimes that's hard to keep track of um, who's who and stuff like that. So, yeah, that is true. It is a very large uh, uh, cast, uh, even even on uh, uh, Wikipedia. If you go look, uh, it lists a lot of folks, and a few of those people like Janet Agron and Michelle Solavi uh, or Mikhail Solavi um, were, were were regulars. In in uh, European uh, uh, cinema, uh, specifically the exploitation and B movie cinema of, of that time. Uh, for example, Janet Agram was was one of the the big screen queens of, of that time. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, and Mikhail 
so Avi, I think he he's uh, um, possibly related to the Argentos, and he actually did some films himself that were, were pretty. Uh, or, or, or what he was is is he was like this the secondary director to Argento or something, and then he went on and he, he began uh, making his own films. Uh, some of them that were uh, pretty uh, famous, like The Church, The Sect, and Cemetery Man. And well, and that's the thing. Some of these films, uh, you know, I feel bad that I haven't seen them. I've, I've mostly, when you get back to the 70s and then going into the early 80s, I didn't see a lot of those films because I was pretty young. And I've seen the big ones when, you know, when I went back and watched them. So there's a lot of these that I just have not seen and I need to. Yeah, I was the same way when, when I started uh, doing the podcast. I, I went back and I, I saw some of the, the big films like Texas Chainsaw and, and whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And, and then I, I expanded to try some of these B films as well. Um, B films meaning, uh, um, you know, midnight movies or grindhouse or whatever. And uh, Lucio Fulci, most certainly, is one of them. Um, so uh, let me go to uh, Eric. Have you uh, seen any Lucio Fulci films? Um, no, I've not seen any of the big Italian director films. All right. And Mike, what about yourself? Uh, I haven't seen a lot. Um, I have seen this. Uh, did he do? He didn't do Zombie Two, did he? He did. Uh, yeah. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Zombie Two is okay. one he did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it is Italian horror. It's not quite um, Suspiria, or it's um, again Italian horror is just not entirely my bag. They have some. Great gruesome moments, but the storylines are often just a little bizarre. Uh, this one's not quite as, say, bizarre as Suspiria or Surreal. Uh, but like you said, there are some just moments, if I remember correctly, because it's been over a decade, I think, since I actually saw it. Uh, but what they do do well is is their <laughs> goal. Do do. <laughs> and that, that that is certainly a reason to see these. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah, if yeah, anything, yeah. you should see that drill bit scene because it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, he, he's known for his his uh, cool kills uh, because there's the the um, the one in Zombie Two where where it's a uh, a wood splinter, like a big wood splinter that goes through some girl's woman's head and stuff and and uh, and whatnot. So uh, pretty cool. Yeah, look. like this one's really slow. It's not quick. It's like it starts entering, and it's a it's a good long. <laughs> process of it going through his skull and through his head. Yeah, it, that is true. That is true. <laughs> um, I, I do. I did like when I first saw the film. Uh, I was surprised to find out that it, it took place in in Massachusetts. So I thought that was pretty cool because um, Dunwich is supposed to be Massachusetts. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So that that was interesting because I, I had no idea. I thought it was going to be an Italian film, uh, meaning actually in Italy. But uh, that's they, exactly uh, what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but but they, they a lot of times they they did film their films all over the place. Like Argento's Suspiria was actually filmed in Germany, and and uh, this one here, um, I'm trying to find out where it actually was filmed. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was filmed in Boston, uh, Concord, Massachusetts, and New York City. And uh, Concord, Massachusetts is like five five minutes from where I grew up, and uh, uh, so. So Boston and Concord, and then uh, also New York City. So that's kind of cool. Um, 
Now, uh, let's see the film uh, as critical reception when it first came out um, was uh, average to mediocre reviews, as most midnight movies were, especially ones that uh, are gore films. And uh, this one here uh, today with 11 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes has a 45 percent. But if you go to horror websites and and lists like like that, uh, it's it's got way higher reviews. Um, also, Christopher Gans, um, the French French uh, director uh, of uh, various uh, horror films uh, such as uh, Silent Hill and Brotherhood of the Wolf, um, he he actually says the film is one of his favorites. Uh, so yeah, and and I know um, Eli Roth has always talked about uh, Fulci as one of his favorite directors of all time. Um, so yeah, uh, anything else anybody wanted to bring up about? Yeah, City there's of living there, well, there's the a, a one thing that I thought was really cool. So there's a scene with a bunch of maggots. And they yeah. actually had ten kilograms of maggots um, thrown into through wind, wind machines Ooh. to do it. <laughs> it is quite a scene as well. Um, that one was kind of neat. Um, so yeah, the practical effects in this are really cool. How they did some of the things, and yeah, they said uh, ten kilograms of maggots using yeah. giant fan, and uh, fans. <laughs> and I, 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 I don't even know what maggots. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know what kilograms is, so I have no idea. Um, but I'm assuming uh, a maggot can't weigh too much. Four hundred pennies. Yeah, so let me see. Uh, Twelve kilograms in English is uh, twenty six pounds. Twenty six and a half pounds. So yeah, that's a lot. Good lord. No, one kilogram is two point two pounds. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's why it's twenty. Okay. Oh yeah, 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 yeah I get so ten fill. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. Well, yeah, no, I. Get yeah, it's twelve, not not ten. Right. Yeah. Uh, oh, did I say ten or twelve? Says I don't know what you yeah, actually yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, so, 2.2 yeah. times. Yeah, you're right. So it's yeah, about so it's 26. 26 yep. and a half. 26 yeah, and that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, and they had to act in that. I need. All right. Yeah, yeah, that, that opens up the question. Uh, how how much less do they need for it to not be a lot? <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole None. other episode. For me, it's zero or any. <laughs> <laughs> One is a lot. Of maggots, <laughs> and then uh, there was a pickaxe scene too, right? Scene where Peter smashes Thanks. open Mary's coffin with a pickaxe was shot in New York. Oh yeah, but the interior was shot in Rome. That's interesting. Um, yeah, the shooting schedule. Uh, yeah, so I I made a mistake there. Uh, it was House by the Cemetery that was Boston and Concord. Uh, this one here was the shooting allowed for shooting in location in New York City in six weeks in Savannah, Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. And interesting, uh, too. Yeah. And the H.P. Lovecraft story uh, um, takes place in Massachusetts, uh, but the, the script was originally going to have it take place in Salem, Massachusetts, instead of Dunwich, the, the fictional city of Dunwich. Uh, but they decided to stick with Dunwich. Well, it's interesting because by doing Dunwich, you already you bring in that Cthulhu aspect just by the name, and then yeah. 
the dread feels even more dreadful when you start thinking about it like that. So it's true. It's true. Yep. All right. Sounds good. Uh, was, uh, any, Oh, anything else anybody wanted to bring up about, uh, city of the living dead. All right. Sounds good. So, uh, yeah, that was a good, uh, uh, bucket choice list. Uh, so I, I liked it. Um, all right. So I guess we go with Eric. What do you got? All righty. Um, well, this year I committed an act of self harm. Watch your movie. I have been actively avoiding for decades. Uh, and I watched cannibal Holocaust. Oh, um, which is also directed by an Italian, uh, Ruggiero Diodato, I believe is how you say uh, Diodato. Diodato, yeah, yeah, Diodato or something, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So there's a very specific reason I have not wanted to watch this movie, and that is because there's uh, actual violence to animals in in this movie. Oh. Um, if you are not cool. Theme. If you are not cool with watching a pretend dog die a pretend death on in a movie, uh, definitely avoid this one um, because there are a turtle and a pig that meet untimely actual demise on. Phone. Oh, oh, and, and there's like a uh, like a muskrat or something too. I I missed that if it's in there, but uh, okay. uh, yeah, I will admit that I did actually um, put my hand up so I wouldn't have to witness the turtle scene. Um, there is, you can acquire a cruelty-free version of this movie, but it costs like $50, and I wasn't willing to do that for a one-off. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> the basic premise of this movie is that um, a documentary crew goes into the Amazon jungle looking for a cannibal tribe um, to try and capture them on film. And they don't come back. So they form a rescue mission. And the first half of the movie is the rescue mission going to try and find the documentary crew. And they eventually find what's left of them. Uh, and then the second half of the movie is them. Um, they actually recover all the film canisters that the documentary crew had. And they review all the film that they had shot. And as it turns out, that documentary crew was a bunch of horrible, horrible people and deserved everything they got. Uh, so, man, this is this is a rough one. Um, uh, I'm not going to say it's a bad movie because it was made with skill. And I, the only reason I decided to put myself through this is I am a I'm a fan of the found footage format. Um and this is one of the early ones. The only one I know of that might be earlier than this that might be considered found footage is Peeping Tom. Anybody knows of anything between Peeping Tom and Cannibal Holocaust, let me know. Um so I decided it was a piece of history in that regard, so I wanted to check it out for that reason. Um the story and everything I watched, huh. uh, <laughs> there's a whole lot of sexual assault in this movie, um, which I don't care for. I mean, it's supposed to repulse you, and it certainly does. 
um, humans being awful to humans, humans being awful to animals. Um, really, the moral of the story is that people suck, and I already knew that. Uh, so in that regard, this isn't really a very pleasant movie to sit through. However, I will say that uh, the practical effects used in the uh, quote-unquote found footage are incredibly realistic, um, partially because it's all you know, tricky and grainy and handheld. Uh, but also there's like dismemberment happening. that looks pretty real. Um, and there's the famous uh, shot that's actually used on some of the uh, poster art for the movie of the girl on the pole, um, <laughs> which was pretty vile too. Um, so, I mean, this movie is disgusting to me, but it's supposed to be disgusting. So in that manner, the film was really well made because it's awful. <laughs> I don't know how to say it any differently than this. I did not care for the experience of watching this movie, but it's a well-made movie. That's guess, I guess what I'm trying to say. Um, the uh, In fact, it was well done enough that um, uh, 10 days after its premiere, um, the director was arrested and charged with obscenity and he was later charged with murdering several actors <laughs> in the movie. The cast wow. had contracts were requiring them to disappear for a year after shooting to maintain the illusion that they had died. Uh, however, um, when he ended up on trial for murder and was facing a life sentence, uh, he decided that they could waive that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So he basically brought the actors into court and said, here they are. They're not dead. I didn't murder them. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, it was convincing enough that the director actually got into some serious trouble. Um, so, yeah, uh, I can now check it off the list. I have seen Cannibal Holocaust. I don't imagine myself ever watching it again. Um, but I now have seen that piece of horror movie history. Right, right. Yeah, they, a lot of people say that it's the first found footage film, um, because you know half of it's found footage, and uh, I, I would probably think they're right uh, because everybody that gets upset with people saying Blair Witch, they always go back to this one. Um, I was gonna bring up that that thing about the the trial. And he had to go to court and all this other stuff and, because it is an interesting thing. Um, and uh, Reguro Diodato uh, is one of uh, Eli Roth's uh, favorite directors of all time. And he actually. Yeah, plays, I actually got I, triggered while I was watching this movie because the place where the cannibals live is referred to as the Green Inferno. That's right. Um, yeah. Which was the inspiration for the title of Eli Roth's shitty, shitty movie. Um, also, <laughs> Diodato uh, has a cameo as one of the people that torture uh, people in hostel. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, and you actually see his face and everything. And, and it's not like, you know, he's wearing a mask or you couldn't identify him and stuff. Uh, but obviously he was an old man at that point. Um, uh, also, um, the lead actor who does the rescue mission, uh, Professor Harold Monroe, the character's name is, by, is Robert Kerman, who uh, Lucio Fucci wanted him to be the lead in uh, Barrett's film. 
but uh, for some reason uh, he he was unable to to do it, and uh, they had to choose other people for City of the Living Dead. But the interesting thing about Robert Kerman is not only is he a uh, well known uh, horror actor, especially in European horror films, but he was a uh, did hundreds of pornographic films as well. So mm. he was a pornographic actor, um, and then um, the film. Uh, though it has what you said, uh, the terrible uh, killing of, of animals and, and is one of the reasons why those those films now have things. No animals have been hurt in this film. Um, uh, the film had been reevaluated since, and, and, and uh, if people can overlook those things, which is very difficult because it's real, um, this, and even though those animals were actually eaten by the people that, that – uh, or kill, kill them. The, the point was is that they didn't have to be killed that way. Um, the film has been called a, uh, a well-made social commentary on the modern world, and like you said, or people in general. People suck. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. And and uh, people from you can go into colonialism. You can go into uh, cultural uh, uh, differences between groups because uh, the violence isn't just the Europeans in the rainforest, but, uh, tribe against tribe as well, violence. Um, and, uh, also as mentioned, uh, the film has, um, given way to, uh, have other filmmakers like Eli Roth, uh, become what they are today. Uh, trying to make films similar without the animal violence. Um, so yeah, I, I actually saw it once too, Eric. I have not revisited it ever again either. Um, but I do have <laughs> it's that. It's pretty film. rough, right? It is. It is pretty rough. I, I mean, the, the the other stuff I've seen seen enough of. You know, we've seen uh, plenty of horror films that have uh, nudity and the, and that type of violence um, and and whatnot. But the animal thing was just too much. However, I do have the edition uh, from Grindhouse releasing that does allow two viewings, which is the one without the animal killings and the one with. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so I have that copy. But I, I watched the original, and that's the only one I've ever watched, just to see. Um, and, yeah, if I rewatched it, I think I would only watch uh, the one, the edited version without the animal violence. Um, and the human cruelty upon human, that's bad. Um, especially the, like you said, the sexual violence that, that occurs, but yeah, those scenes were, were really <laughs> convincing. <laughs> yeah, they sure were. They sure were. Um, uh, but, but, uh, again, that we knew that was pretend unlike the animals. And like I said, we've seen plenty of Australian films to make us become desensitized from that crap. Um, even though yeah, most know. of them, you made us watch, I might mention. <laughs> well, Apple, Apple Apple did it because they were listed as the top forty-four. Oh, oh, it's Apple's fault. Okay, it's Apple's fault. That's right. Uh-huh. And they had, yes, yes. And they, okay. Um, but but either way, uh, yeah, it does have some iconic scenes like like the woman on the pole and things of that nature. And then the ending uh, is is totally uh, crazy. Um, Probably the most awful moment in the movie for me was when they find that woman on the pole and yeah. I couldn't write, there's a sexual assault scene right before that. And yeah. I could not tell because of 
in the in the assault scene, she's covered in mud, and then when she's on the pole, she's covered in blood. So I, I honestly just couldn't tell if it was supposed to be the same woman or not. Um, yeah, I forget. I haven't seen it for a while. But um, they I know her. I know. This, yeah, go on. They find this woman who's impaled on the pole, and one of the guys is like grinning and smiling as he's looking at this woman who's been impaled on the pole. And the guy operating the camera says, watch it. I'm rolling. And then he like straightens its face and goes, Oh God, this is awful. <laughs> I'm like you motherfucker. <laughs> that was just disgusting. So yeah, I, like after seeing all the footage of the documentary crew, I was really glad they got eaten. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's also, those guys, uh, seriously. Uh, one one line from uh, Wikipedia says uh, the impaled scene. Uh, it's even implied in the movie that uh, the filmmakers um, killed her in purposely to make it look like it was staged, uh, you know, and staged it as a murder by the natives for their quote-unquote documentary that they were making um, hmm, i didn't get that i didn't either i didn't either but but um you know people will read whatever they want to in it um however i did get the implication from what he said uh after he was talking about how awful it was that if it was the same woman that they were sexually assaulting she may have been punished like that by her tribe for having been assaulted and violated. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, there is some cultures, even, even unfortunately today, um, you know, 40 years after this film was made that are not in the, uh, the Amazon rainforest that, that actually will, yeah. Um, treat some, a woman who has been assaulted, uh, not as the victim, um, and, and as a criminal, which is, which so is when you read it like right. that, it's possible that the film crew may have been responsible for her death, even though they didn't, actually end her life right right that's a fair point too yeah yeah excellent point so how did you watch this eric do you own it or i rented it on youtube okay yeah yeah so uh it's a cheap one it was 2.99 yeah yeah that's that's fairly standard for for an older film um yeah if we go to just watch and uh i will type in cannibal Holocaust. The other other big Holocaust film from that era was Cannibal Pharaoh, um, and I have not seen that one. Um, this one is actually Cannibal Holocaust. Believe it or not, is uh, free on Peacock. No, I don't have Peacock. So yes. So if you have Peacock, really you can watch it for free. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm not. I'm not kidding. I you. guess I'll watch it for free. <laughs> yep, yep. Have fun. It's also. I, free. I warned you. <laughs> It's, it's also free on Plex as well. Hmm. Um, and both, uh, it's HD. It's high definition. So you can you can see all With the gory. With Peacock, I have no commercials. Plex, I would have commercials. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So so that's the, that's, <laughs> that's the, the problem. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, so it's available to, to watch if, you, if you're a subscriber to uh, Peacock. And, and anybody can subscribe free for, for Plex. Um, and, and it's there as well. Um, but yeah, yeah. Nowadays, uh, those films are just, are just films, but back in the day, th- those th- films would be, people would be arrested for, for watching them at home. Probably. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, it was, it was banned in several countries for a while. 
Yes. But yes. like it, it had it had a nasty, nasty reputation and there's a reason for it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because there is there is um both male and female uh nudity, uh which uh uh, the male part, especially, was was not uh, common in non-X-rated films at that point. Mm-hmm. And then also, um, uh, like you said, the special effects are pretty unbelievably done well. Uh, like the, the impalement scene, and then the defama- de- de- desecration of of the, the corpses of the filmmakers mm-hmm. uh, at the end, where where certain parts are chopped off and stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. And then when, uh, Diodato went into court, he had to, he brought, uh, with him, um, all the, inf- the way that they actually filmed and how they, they got the girl on the spike to make it look like she was actually spiked. Right. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. And, and then you know, I, I think he also even showed how, uh, the male, um, members, uh, were, were chopped off, uh, as well to, to prove that everything was, uh, on the up and up. Mm-hmm. So just, yep. Well, he can at least feel good about his special effects. They were good enough to get him taken to court. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, and it actually um, kind of hurt his career big time, obviously, this film, after that, because uh, people uh, afterwards didn't want to uh, uh, do stuff with him. And um, he kind of uh, faded out for a little bit and, and, and whatnot. But uh, he... Um, yeah, that was his high point. And then uh, the, the screenwriter Gianfranco Clarici, or Clarici, um he actually uh, wrote a, a number of uh, Leo, Lucio Fulci films, as a matter of fact, including uh, um, a bunch of his Giallo films, which are basically slasher films. Um, and On the uh, IMDb trivia page here, it says, after seeing the film, director Sergio Leone wrote a letter to Ruggiero Tiodato which stated, Dear Ruggiero, what a movie. The second part is a masterpiece of cinematography. Cinema, cinematogra- I don't know how to say this word. Cinematographic realism. But everything seems so real, I think you will get in trouble with all the world. And who said that? And he was right. Sergio Leone. Yeah, and Sergio Leone, unlike... Um, uh, Diodato was was the guy that worked with um, uh, Clint Eastwood and Henry Fonda and all these other actors. So I mean, he he was uh, well known. Uh, oh, and Robert De Niro for that matter. So so he he he's done uh, a number of films with with big time actors, and yet as you can see, the the uh, he even uh, noticed the film and uh, by a fellow uh, Italian filmmaker. Um, Mike, have you ever seen this film? I have not. Uh, for all the reasons you know that Eric mentioned in the beginning, uh, which is I, I'm just I, I know that I can get a cruelty free version, um, but I still even then feel weird watching it because it's still a thing that was made with harming animals for entertainment, and I understand harming animals for food, um. But I don't. I, it's. I, I just. I just feel weird doing it, and I certainly have plenty of other things to watch. So I've never felt the need to do what Eric just did and subject myself to it. Whether I eventually will will or not, that's. Uh, that remains to be seen, um, and I'm not, in any way, judging anybody who 
will see the film. Uh, I mean, I judge Eric. That's something I would do anyway. Yeah, I was going to say, you do that weekly anyway, so. Uh, yeah, so it's, it, yeah, it's, it's just not, not a thing I'm interested in. And uh, that's a me thing. Um, but hey, you do you. I, I get it. And I, I, that's why I haven't watched the movie until now. Right, right. And, and I only watched it the one time way back because I was just entering, like Eric said, you know, I'm going to start Italian films. I might as well start with one of the, the big ones. And, and see what it's all about, and I have never revisited it again, uh, even though it was uh, a very well-made movie, and actually a pretty pretty damn good one, uh, if if the animal uh, cruelty hadn't been real. Uh, but it's like, how can you get over, get past that? Which is, I think it's an uh, unfortunate uh, downfall. Um, and Barrett, uh, have you ever seen it? I, I think you haven't, based off of what you said. I may have stepped away for a second, or he's on mute. Doesn't look like he's on mute. Yeah, no. Uh, and he is back. Uh, so uh, something happened. He disappeared on us. But it's all right. Uh, we'll, we'll what, did, what did you ask me? Sorry. Oh, but there he is. He's back. Uh, uh, have you ever seen this film, though? I think you haven't, right? I have not. Um, I, I've always been interested in seeing it, but I have not seen it. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Uh, anything else anybody wanted to bring up uh, about this film? I know most of us seen Green Inferno, but have anybody else seen any of the other cannibal horror films of those days? I want to know how many pounds of maggots were in, were, were thrown into the fans in this film. <laughs> uh, nobody, nobody seems to have a problem with the, the with maggots being tossed into fans. <laughs> I would disagree thing. with that, Mike. I believe my remark was, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sure there is some people out there that would say that's cruelty to animals, uh, including the maggots. But uh, <laughs> but uh, I think that's a little different, uh, if, any, if anything. Uh, but, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I think that's all we have for Cannibal Holocaust. Uh, so, all right, very good. Another uh, fine choice, uh, and I guess I'll put quotes around that for for different reasons, but, but <laughs> definitely definitely a, a, a worthy choice of a, a bucket list film for sure. Um, all right, so we go into the next person in alphabetical order, and that's you, Mike. What do you got? You usually pick the most right, so, uh, eclectic group, yeah. Yeah, um, this is what I've been wanting to see. Uh, since I was a little kid, um, and no, that's not kind of a Holocaust. Um, let me let me let me throw this out at you. See if uh, it yeah, sounds. Be, oh, like... Mike, Mike, I got it behind the green door. No, and um, I want to see if this will, if if, uh, if Phil and Barrett can pick up on this storyline. Okay, I, I don't get to play. Uh, you can. I don't know that you you're watching this though. Uh, oh, there's okay. A, there's a nuclear explosion in the, in the a nuclear testing in the Pacific Ocean, which causes an irradiated creature to rise up from the depths. Godzilla. And attack San Francisco, and it's up to a team of three people, a soldier, and two scientists who are also involved in a romantic triangle to stop the giant creature. Hmm. Okay, so is, is, is that not the plot of 2014 Godzilla? Yes, it is. Uh, well, no, there's no, no. romantic. 
triangle. Yeah, there's no romantic thing okay. in that That's, one. It's the plot it's of the, the Monarch and it's show. In 1950s. It's the plot of the Monarch show, but I think you're going to tell us that there's also a movie that did that. Yes, sooner. this is uh, this is the Ray Harryhausen uh, <laughs> film. It came from beneath the sea. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, 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 the giant octopus. Yes, that's a which great is yeah, one has of an the Irish actor that's in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of three, I think, Harryhausen films that I had never seen. Uh, the other was is it Earth versus the Flying Saucers or Invasion of the Flying Saucers? The, oh, that's, whatever a, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good uh, one. Which is one I, which is another one I had not seen, and the other one. Oh, is the there's like a uh, a documentary he did um, where he animated the dinosaurs. Oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I did just about everything else that Ray Harryhausen has done, and like any uh, anyone of, of certainly of our age and our generation uh, growing up, um, you know, Harryhausen uh, was very uh, significant. Um. Uh, and you know, I'd seen all the film history. Film history, he's significant. Yeah, the like the the, the Sinbad, the Sinbad. Yeah, there you go. Jason and the Argonauts, and uh, One Million BC. You know, all the dinosaur films he did. Uh, but this was a a a weird uh, gap, and the reason is just how we all I think saw most of these is because it was on whatever our local TV channel was on some afternoon matinee movie uh and for whatever reason locally they either never showed it or i never caught it uh, and so well, i'd seen say beast from Twenty Thousand fathoms um and uh valley of the guanja i just never saw became from beneath the sea and weirdly enough I, I had a hard time finding it there's a colorized version that came out a couple of years ago uh, and I did not want to watch the colorized version because I would like to at least watch the original version first before watching these colorized Harryhausen films. I generally don't like the idea of colorizing films anyway, even if it's well done. Um, but it wasn't what I was looking for. So, uh, yeah, I, I did manage to find it. Uh, Eric, are you ready? For what? I, I just want to know, are you ready? I, I guess. <laughs> okay, so I did manage to find it on Tubi. Ah, fuck Tubi! Uh, <laughs> you know what's coming. I managed to find it on Tubi, and with like three days remaining before they pull it. So, I think I watched it yesterday, so now there's two days remaining. Uh, and of course, nobody here, uh, nobody listening to this is probably going to hear this in time to be able to watch it there. But it's the original black and white version, there was one like 30 second commercial about 10 minutes into the film. And that was it. So for the people who don't like the commercials in the film, because of Tubi, Fuck Tubi. Uh, it's, it's not that obtrusive. Um, yeah, I'm going to say this is not a classic in the giant monster. <laughs> um, and, the monster itself is okay. You know, he's trying to animate. First of all, it's his third film. He's done uh, Mighty Joe Young and Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, which is, of course, the film that does uh, lead to giving us Godzilla. Uh, so it is a, it, it's, uh, it doesn't have, it, there, there's not, was never a giant octopus fad 
uh, after this came out. So it didn't have the same cultural impact. Yark! The, the monster from outer space. Yes. Uh, yeah, I guess that's, that is one. <laughs> um, and you have a bit of a problem. Harryhausen's great at doing characters. Most of this is tentacles. So not a lot of character in a tentacle. Um, it stars. Let me get the. See, I don't know if I'll get the names right. Um, Kenneth Toby. Okay. Stars Kenneth Toby, who was uh, from The Thing. Uh, that Faith. is right. Yeah, and he had a cool role in Robert Redford's The Candidate. I remember that. And Faith, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. Faith Domergu, who was in uh, This Island Earth. And Donald Curtis, who was in uh, Earth vs. Vying Saucers. So these are and, – and, and uh, also uh, – oh, and I think Kenneth Toby was also had a cameo in Airplane. Um, but these oh, are yes, – they, they have a very, very uh, long credit list because these were all people, I guess, in the employee of the studios. And they would do several films a year, uh, even if not all the films are ones that anybody remembers anymore. Because uh, we are talking about films that are now often 60, 70 years old. And then we were also in a lot of uh, TV shows at the time. Um, and I think they're all fair in, in their role uh, doing what, what they want to do. They, I was like watching this and there's just the weird love triangle going on. And I don't know. Um, I will say the opening, which does not feature any stop motion uh, octopus action. It's a submarine attack. And you're watching it almost uh, pretty much entirely on the inside in the submarine. I was surprised how effective that was, given that you're just watching it more like indirectly. You're trapped in the submarine. You can't see the attack on the submarine. Um, but this is a film I don't think it ages well. I think there's a, the narration covers a lot of uh, narrative ground where it's almost um, almost documentary style. Not quite. Um, I'm trying to see. There, there's, there's just, there's night. There's some neat effects. It just takes forever to get to the, the it, the octopus attacking San Francisco. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a lot of, as you would imagine, of the time, uh, of the spouted nonsense. I think they mentioned something like there being a hundred foot octopus in the American Museum of Natural History, which I don't believe there ever was. Um, certainly not. <laughs> Not, not. I've been going to the American Museum of Natural History since I was like three, and I never remember seeing a 100-foot-long giant octopus. But this is long before the time that anybody could look shit up on on Wikipedia. Um, uh, same thing with they to mention a uh, giant octopus attack triggered by uh, the eruption of Mount Vesuvius, which also seems uh, dubious <laughs> to me. Uh, <laughs> You know, there's I want to see scene. that movie. I want to see the movie <laughs> with volcanoes and giant octopuses. Yeah, um, yes, I, awesome. I, I got the uh, Smithsonian uh, says that the largest known octopus was 600 pounds and having 30 foot arm span. Right. So unless it, they're talking, you know, I mean, maybe there's hundreds. Wait, of wait, wait. Are you telling me that something in a movie wasn't true? Right. Oh my God. Um, your, mind, also, your mind is blown, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. There's a ship. I'm, I'm, pick, I'm, I'm just randomly picking apart things here. There's a ship that's attacked, and they pick up some survivors, and the survivor 
sees the giant tentacles and like when the doctor's examining him and they, you know, he's, he's explaining to the doctor why I have no idea because the doctor's job is not to find out what happened. The doctor's job is to see if he's healthy. But uh, he says, you know, so what happened? I was attacked by, attacked by, attacked by, and then he looks down and the doctor's holding the stethoscope and he says, by that, like something that looked like that, it's like he was talking about the earplugs that go into the because they're curved, right? They're long and curved, like the mm-hmm. tentacles. But then five minutes later, he has absolutely no problem saying that he was attacked by a giant octopus. You know, it's like I, I, I don't know. It's really weird, weird stuff. Um, it's a weird movie, as it was then. He's probably written on the fly. An awful lot of um, like rear projection, doc footage. It's all stuff that if you've watched movies like them, you are very familiar with. Um, I, I, I said, I, I don't think this is going up in the category of certainly Gojira, Beast of a Thousand, of uh, 20,000 Fathoms and others. Um, but it's, it's, it's entertaining uh, when you get to the octopus parts. There's some neat stuff that happens at the end uh, with like the use of flamethrower to chase the the octopus back into the ocean and that's that's not bad um the biggest problem is that like you just don't see the face there's like a scene where uh someone using an aqua lung is is diving or swimming near the octopus's eye and it's that's a harryhausen effect um and you know the eye has some manages to have some character to it but i think he's just kind of hurt by the fact that he can't do a lot to add character to tentacles Right, right. It, I mean, the, the, Golden, the Golden Gate Bridge scene was pretty awesome. The only bridge scene isn't bad. The guy who plays Dr. Uh, John Carter, uh, <laughs> he's, he's, he's running across the bridge and a tentacle comes up, and he has to do the Star Trek, like, shake as if we're being attacked, you know, like the ship got it. So he's trying to show, ah, oh, the bridge is shaking, and he does it. Uh, he'll give you new respect for the acting skills of the crew of the Enterprise. Because <laughs> <laughs> he looks kind of like you know, the inflatable man outside the car dealership. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, yeah, yeah wind, it is. The wind man, the wind man. Yeah, it is, it is a thing. Uh, I'm glad I saw it. I'm glad I finally crossed off the bucket list. I'm glad I finally saw one more piece of Great Harryhausen work. Uh, it's just the, the film itself is is okay. And look, if you're a fan of this era of film, like I did Tarantula like two or three years ago, I'm not saying you will not enjoy the film. I want to be clear about that. I'm just saying it is not an objectively good film. <laughs> I understand. Uh, I, I will say that the the film. Um, uh, Probably would have been a great film for for kiddos, but um, the the producer Charles H. Schneer, uh, as you said, this was one of his early films, Harry Hawson's early films. Schneer um, produced it, and Charles H. Schneer from that day on um, pretty much produced every Harry Hawson film, and they became lifelong friends um, because he was there even for uh, all the way to Clash of the Titans. As a matter of fact, the very last one, I think. So, um, 
So that was kind of cool because if you look, they did the other one you haven't seen, Mike, right after uh, Aliens versus or, or Flying Saucers versus Earth or whatever it's called. And then um, the two of them then went on and on and on where they did uh, everything from the set, all of the Sinbad films um, and uh, Clash of the Titans, as I mentioned, Jason and Argonauts, Mysterious Island. Uh, and so on and so forth. Tw- uh, Twenty million miles to Earth uh, with with the monster Yorg, I think it's called, and uh, yeah. whatnot. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, Three Worlds of Galver, I think that may have been a Harry Hawson film too, uh, yes. or at least par- parts of it. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of uh, uh, oh, the Valley of the Guanji. That's another one. Um, so yeah, they, yeah, they did uh, everything together. Uh, which is kind of Valley of the Guanji is, is that the one with the cowboys and dinosaurs? That is correct. That is correct. Yep. Oh, first men in the moon. That's another one based off of uh, H.G. Wells. Oh wow. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So they did them all. They did everything together. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> cool. Pretty cool. Um, so yes, uh, I seen this film, Mike, um, and I actually liked it. But again, I saw it like ten years ago. I can't remember it. I'm not going to say I didn't like it. I'm just saying it's not. Uh, I, there were, if you're trying to get into the 50s giant monster movies, this is not the first one on my list I'm recommending. Sure, sure. Uh, I, I, if I, re- I remember, what I remember, I, I must have liked it a lot more than you. But again, I, I haven't seen it for a while. And um, this was when I was beginning to go into um, Ray Harry Hawson's uh, monster movies, not fantasy movies, but as monster movies. So I began to binge a lot of those. Um, and I remembered, I liked this one, or at least I liked, um, uh, the lead actor too. Um, again, uh, um, uh, Kenneth Toby. Um, but all in all, um, uh, I can't remember it. So I can't really say too much. I just it. thought it was funny. Um, like how closely this was paralleling the, the flashback story in Monarch. Yeah, yeah. So, so Monarch could have probably saw this film. The people that made Monarch saw this film, probably. You never know. Um, oh, I will give credit. So, like I mentioned, Tarantula. Um, and yep. it, there's a conversation in the beginning of Tarantula as the the two guys are driving uh, through the desert about this uh, woman not learning to be a doctor and like how wild that is because um, it's the 1950s. And uh, here you have a woman who's like the head of marine biology and one of the, the foremost experts in the world. Um, and there's also this clunky bit of dialogue. Well, you know, it's you know, who's the two best in the world are her and I don't remember who's name, Von Newton. Well, well, then get me Von Newton. Well, he's dead. Well, then he's not a leading expert in the world anymore, is he? Uh, <laughs> But he's in a actor life, maybe. <laughs> but he had a penis, so he had better a dead penis than a you know than a living vagina, right? It just um but yeah, so, so I just thought it was interesting that it it's it, that's another thing that's representative of the time. Uh and reflecting that, yeah, they're trying to come to grips with the fact that, you know, women can do things. And you do have this this thing with uh this this whole exchange about, well, Woman who doesn't want to be told what to do, and you know they can have opinions of themselves, and it's, uh, yeah, weirdly enough, people still hear. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, it's a, it's just a, it's a thing. Uh, it's a thing that's here, uh, and I enjoyed some of that, and some of it just like enjoying the hokiness of the time. Um, but yeah, just some of it's just as I'm thinking back and flashing back to some of these things, because uh, it's not otherwise it's really hard to stay engaged with the story until the monster appears. Right, right. Uh, some some uh, trivia about uh, Kenneth Toby. Uh, besides Airplane and Candidate and a bunch of B-films back in the day. But uh, he was a war hero. He uh, was on the small uh, bomber B-25 uh, during WW2 and uh, uh, was a uh, rear gunner uh, against the Japanese in the Pacific. Uh, and uh, he went to school, um, uh, acting school, with Gregory Peck, Eli Wallach, and Tony Randall, and him and Gregory Peck for sure. Uh, were buddies for a long time, uh, and and uh, Peck got a uh, number of roles in some of Peck's uh, earlier films as well. Um, and he did have a, like you said, a, a leading role in this film here, but he was always known mostly afterwards um, for either leads in B films or character actors in A films. Uh, but he always uh, got work and uh, was a pretty good actor. Um, and. Uh, yeah, that's all I got. Um, uh, now, uh, anybody else wanted to discuss anything about uh, the film? Anyone? No, I'm sadly I just I need to watch some Harry Hudson stuff because that's really a, a blind spot of mine. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And he was also in The Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms. I have not watched that either. Yeah, that's pretty good too. Um, so yeah, um, and of course the the thing from another world, a Howard, Howard Hawks production. Um, and, and the piece from Twenty Thousand Fathoms is what inspired Godzilla. Um, it's that is correct. That is, correct. So. that is that is exactly right. Yep. Uh, so it's worth right. seeing, even if it's just for that. Um, I think I've seen it, but I saw it when I was a kid. So yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, it was a pretty good film. Uh, the special effects uh, weren't rubber suits. Uh, right. So stop yeah. stop motion, but uh, it was all good. It was all good, whether uh, Godzilla or that one. Um, all right. Uh, anything else, anybody? Anyone? Anyone? All right. I guess that's it. So uh, we move on to the next person there in an alphabetical order. That would be Phil or Philip, and that would be me. And... Um, yeah, my film is probably the most uh, well-known of the four films that we're going to discuss tonight. Um, as people may know, uh, when I was younger, uh, I didn't see many of the the big-time films uh, that everybody else saw because uh, I never snuck into Blockbuster to rent the R-rated films because I didn't want my parents to uh, yell at me. And uh, my parents didn't want me to see those films, R-rated films, uh, usually anyway, um, especially uh, um, the blood and gore and the boobs and, and all that. So I um, – He watches as much as he can now. Um, so uh, in the early uh, 2010s when we started this podcast, I began watching uh, some of the films. And, and I, I saw a couple of them actually even in the 2000s as well. Um, because I, and even 1990s, because I, I went and uh, just started saying I'm going to fill in my uh, missing in action list. 
And so I saw Texas Chainsaw, and I saw Nightmare on Elm Street, and I saw Friday the 13th, and Halloween, and uh, whatever else. Um, and then Scream, I, I saw at the theaters with an ex-girlfriend. And um, one I didn't see, and I could have oddly seen at the theaters, because uh, it came out when I was 18 years old. Uh, but for some reason, I didn't bother seeing it. And um, I did not see uh, it after that because, again, like all these big franchises, they just have film after film after film after film, like Halloween and whatnot, that a lot of them just suck. And so I just said, yeah, it's all trash. Uh, so I never bothered watching it. Um, but it's a well-known uh, monster, and people uh, love it. And it actually had a remake like a lot of these films do. Um, and the film... Uh, I had never seen, and it is the first, not including the remake, because I did see the remake, uh, because we did a podcast on it, but this film here is the 1988 film Child's Play. Oh, okay. I have never seen any of the Chucky films. I've seen pieces of this film, but I've never seen it. Um, and so I decided to watch it, uh early this morning before work, because uh, I did work today. And um, I was surprised to see that uh, Chris Sarandon was in it. I, I did not know he was in it. Um, it's another reason why I guess he heads over to, to uh, horror conventions, because not only uh, Fright Night, but this film here, which oddly uh, is both films by the same director, Tom Holland. Uh, so he obviously um, had become a, a good working relationship with Chris Sarandon. Um, the film... Um, for me, and I thought it was going to be pretty crappy and hokey, um, to be honest, but I have to say, this is a damn good film. Um, this film, uh, is, is worth, um, the recognition of the cult status and the creation of the, the Chucky monster to be an iconic as it is today. Um, the film, Special effects, uh, again, this is from 1988, so you figure it's not going to be that great, but it is good for what type of monster it is, because unlike a lot of CGI monsters that are like dolls or whatever, you can tell that they're CGI because dolls don't move that way. But since Chucky or the good guy doll is a doll and it only has certain movements that it can do and bend, um, it works really well um, it's in, and makes sense and actually doesn't make it cheesy or feel like it's bad special effects. It actually makes it look like and feel like that's how Chucky should work, not just because of the limitations of the filmmaker and the special effects of 1988, which uh, horribly now is... Uh, Jesus, uh, 35 years ago or something, um, or even longer than that, Jesus, uh, 40, 45 years ago, or <laughs> I don't know what it is, it's a long time ago, but I'm, I'm, I'm too lazy to do my math. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, 35, uh, I was right the first time. So anyway, um, this film here, um, I have to say, um, uh, I think, even though I did enjoy the remake, and the remake was its own thing and changed things around and became its own movie because of that. So it wasn't just a, a remake. Uh, I do think I kind of like this aspect of the Chucky doll better rather than AI have it 
uh, as a sociopath monster human being that is not only a murderer and a scumbag, but also into voodoo and devil worshiping and whatever else that could happen. Um, and I thought that was kind of scary. And there was a couple of moments that this film was actually a scary film. I felt like when the batteries fall out of the box and it's like no effing way. So I thought, and, and she now knows there's something, uh Oh, and then she opens the Chucky doll to see if, well, maybe there's other batteries in it and there's none there. And it's like no effing way. So, uh, that was, that film was pretty scary in that sense. And also, um, the film didn't have to explain things. Um, we we got that this guy was a, an evil scumbag, and it would make sense that he would be into occultish crap too. Uh, so it made sense. And then um, how the mystery formulates and how they they go about it, the mother and the police officer, all makes sense. They're not unbelieving of the child, thinking maybe he is mentally ill. Um, there wasn't. Uh, deaths that had to occur that that did happen except maybe one and um, the the um, motivation of the monster uh, completely makes sense too um, so I, I felt this was a great film um, it, it actually has great reviews on Rotten Tomatoes um, the the um, the cult classic that it is, you know, fans of horror films love it. Everybody knows this movie, whether they know it as just Chucky or Child's Play or both. Um, and it is um, a film that I am, I'm glad that I uh, finally got to see and was not disappointed to see. And it, and it didn't overextend its time. Uh, it was only about 90 minutes or so. And uh, I felt that was uh, perfect. Um, and, and a couple of moments where the mother says a, a thing, a stupid thing here or there, where she goes to the police officer, the doll's alive is obviously insane. And maybe you could make someone roll their eyes, but she was obviously at that point, you can, you can get into it and say, okay, she, she's already traumatized because her, her best friend or our, our sister, I don't know what it was, uh, got murdered or died tragically. Her son saw it. Um, and she actually knows the doll's alive, and so she's not lying, even if she sounds like she's insane and telling this to a cop. And um, the only other two, thing, too, that I thought was a little bit silly was the son goes to school the next day after um, her friend uh, does die, and I would think they would they would want to keep him out for a day or two to to uh, whatever. But oh no, what's that, Mike? You'd be amazed. I've seen, I've seen some parents like send kids to school, you know, after stuff happens. It's it's whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. Fair point. Fair point. Um, yeah, and, and obviously this was a um, um, not a dysfunctional family, but definitely a single home family where money was was a problem, um, and so taking a day off from work to comfort her son would would possibly even make them lose their 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 home so uh, sometimes you know in this case here maybe maybe it was was needed because she had to have that quote-unquote built-in babysitter for school because she had to work um so yeah that, that's uh my general uh feeling on on the film 
my first time watch. Uh, let's go with you, Eric. Uh, have you ever seen this film? Uh, yeah, I actually had not for a long, long time and just recently caught up with it a couple years ago. Um, I'm glad you liked it. Um, the whole killer doll thing just isn't scary to me, so I'm not a huge fan. Um, but I can understand people being enthusiastic about the franchise if it works for them. Um, yeah. All right, sounds good. Uh, Barrett, what about yourself? Have you seen this film? I actually saw it in the theater. It's probably one of the first horror movies I paid for by myself, you know, free of my parents. Um, and I, it holds a special place in my heart because of that. But I also, I like the creepy doll. Um, Brad Dourif as the voice is awesome. Um, it's just, yeah, I agree with everything you said about it. It's, it's a cool film. doesn't have, it's not without flaws. And it does show the period of time it came out. Um, so there's that. But, yeah, it, it does start a franchise. So it was obviously well regarded in some ways. And there are things I really like about the franchise. So I'm glad the movie exists and I'm glad that it's gone where it's gone. All right. And uh, Mike, what about yourself? Have you seen this film? Yeah, weirdly enough, I think I saw the second film first. This came out in uh, when I was in my first year of college, and it somehow got by me. Uh, but I managed to go see the second and the third, I think, before I finally caught this one. Um, the second and third are much more in your horror movie sequels with diminishing returns. And then the, the series takes a bit of a break and comes back with uh, Bride of Chucky which uh, might be my favorite film in the franchise. Um, and that's the one that brings in uh, uh, Jennifer Tilly, uh, who's been a staple in it ever since. Uh, I really appreciate uh, the fact that uh, Mancini has basically stuck with the franchise. He's got his fingerprints on every entry um, outside of the remake. And Everything they've done has been within continuity, even uh, Curse of Chucky, which was billed as a reboot, does have a place, you know, fits in with the established lore of the series. The TV series, which is now starting its third season on the Sci-Fi Channel, fits in uh, within the series, in the narrative. Um, Yeah, it has the original kid, doesn't it? It had and and they keep bringing these actors back, yeah. right? And they've got Brad Dourif. Right? Brad Dourif never got too big for his britches and and yeah. rode off the franchise, right? And his and and now it, I'm sure the fact that they cast his daughter in Cult of Chucky, yes, um, <laughs> you know, probably has a lot to do with that. That's probably like you want me to come back, give my daughter a job, and <laughs> and she comes back for for the sequel and for the TV series, um. The only one that I think is just bad and it's just bizarre is uh, Seed of Chucky, uh, which was the fifth film. Um, and it's it's it, it just doesn't to me, it doesn't work at all. I know some people really enjoy it. Uh, but, yeah, I, I really love the franchise. I don't think the first installment is the best ever. Uh, but when you look at what. Especially when you compare it to the first installments of films like Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street or Halloween. But 
other than Seed of Chucky, I think the franchise is held pretty consistent. Uh, it didn't like go to the you know the deep depths of some of the other film series, uh, and it's managed to sustain itself for a while. Um, and so I really enjoy it, and, and a lot of it just has to do with, like I said, I think just the fact that they got Brad Dourif doing it, and he, he puts a lot of character into Chucky. Right, right. Yeah, Brad Dourif is a strange actor for me because he's another one of those actors that most people know him for his villainous and horror films. And the first time I ever saw Brad Dourif was One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And, you know, he's a nice, innocent <laughs> kid there. So I, I, it's always weird to see him playing villains because I, I just think of him as how I first saw him. Um, but uh, a few years ago, my wife and I saw him and uh, Amanda Plummer uh, on a Broadway and Broadway on a play called The Two Character Play, which is just freaking bizarre. Um, the two people okay. were clearly uh, suffering from dementia, the, the, the actors. Not the actors, the characters. And we had like front row center seats to watch the two of them perform, so that was awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. Uh, yeah, that is pretty awesome. Um, I, I did read, um, and this I, I didn't know or I completely forgot, um, but the controversy when the film came out, there was people protesting uh, MGM and producer David Kirshner um, for the film because it said it was going to promote violence, uh, yeah. violence from ch- by children. Um, and then when it was released on VHS, the same, same thing, the commercial was, was pulled from, uh, television networks, ABC and CBS, uh, thinking it was, um, too violent. Uh, nowadays it's kind of funny. Nowadays, no one would even care. Yeah. yeah. No, not violent. Um, yeah. Yeah, but people protesting movies over dumb shit is nothing new. That's true. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, yeah, and, and, like, and, and protesting movies that they've not seen, that it's not because it's for the children, you know, who are, who are probably not supposed to be watching the movie anyway. Um, right, right. Not like it wasn't rated and, R. And, and the whole thing was a right, take right. on um, Penny Ruxpin and the, the My Buddy dolls that were big in the 80s. Sure, sure. Um, and so I could see where they may have, may have been seduced to that, but it's it's funny. I'm watching little kids again on Halloween right. walking dressed up as Chucky. Right, right, yeah, exactly. It's, it's one of the main costumes, like Ghostface and Freddy and Jason and whatever. Um, but Chucky, yeah, he's that's a huge one too. Even my do- my kids have a Chucky doll that I got at a convention. Um, but but the thing is, is that. The movie, there's no no children kill anybody. Children aren't it's being aren't murderers in this film. It's not a kill a ch- kids film. It's a kill a doll film. Yeah. You know, so yeah, it but makes they, sense. they think because the doll looked the size of a kid that that's you know. Yeah, I guess uh, you're right. Analogies. Yeah, yeah that's a fair point. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess the guy, like you said, uh, the guy that has his fingerprints on the whole series who uh, wrote the original story that all this is based off of Don Mancini. Uh, he was a huge fan of uh, Trilogy of Terror, and uh, that's where he, he kind of got that idea a little bit from, he said. Um, the the um, Sharon, Bla- uh, Sharon Black, that's her name, right? Sharon Black um, film from the Black. 70s. Yeah. Karen. Uh, Karen, that's it. Thank you. Karen Black. I knew, I knew the first name didn't sound right. Um, so yeah, so uh, 
the film uh, was just another one of those films that had controversies, which is kind of funny. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, I, I remember uh, reading about the doors of Jim Morrison getting arrested in Connecticut for supposedly <laughs> uh, pulling out his penis. And nowadays, you know, you have Motley Crue pulling their pants down and mooning the crowd and, and no one even cares. So it, it's just kind of funny how things have changed and, and people would be upset about uh, child's play the film you know i mean they were upset about uh eric's favorite halloween i mean uh christmas film uh punish you know <laughs> naughty yeah that film got pulled after a week you know mm-hmm. and, it, and it actually outdid pretty much yeah all the killer santa films yeah so you know and not like like barrett said uh children aren't supposed to see that film anywhere you know but again you know my kid uh Vivian, my youngest, comes home and tells me, oh, my God, Dad, uh, they said it was an awesome film. Uh, uh, Clyde at school, his parents let him watch Smile. I went, <laughs> no, that should not be watched by children. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, what, what you asking, what were you watching when you were 10, Phil? Uh, taxi Driver. Taxi Driver. <laughs> right. Wait. I didn't know this. How old were you when you saw Taxi Driver, Phil? <laughs> Ten years old. Oh, Ten years wow. Old. I'd never heard that before. He was young. Yeah, that was a great film. Oh, my God, it's the best. Uh, but yes, yes, uh, certain films you should not be watching. That's for sure. And uh, um, children shouldn't have been watching this film anyway, so why are these people complaining? Exactly. Like, There's a rating system for a reason. You asked for it. That's right. That's right. The kids can't just walk in and see it, you know. And, and get and what I, you want, and then still want shit to be, you know, not seen. Right, right. And then thirty second commercials are, are have to be pulled because it's too disturbing. Right. Um, they probably weren't even disturbing at all. Um. So yeah, yeah. So uh, I finally got to check this off my bucket list, and I may go straight to Bride of Chucky because uh, I heard that, like you said, Mike is, is maybe the best in the franchise and, and worth a. A look. Uh, plus, it has Jennifer, uh, just Jennifer Tilly, and uh, she's yeah. she's fun in it for sure. She adds something to the series that wasn't there before. <laughs> yeah, that's what I hear, and and she and she's pretty awesome actress anyway, um, yeah. and, and she's uh, very attractive. Um, it's crazy to know that she's crossed the seventy now. It's like nuts. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, um. That is my experience for this film and the bucket list. Uh, anybody else want to mention anything about uh, Child's Play? Anyone? Oh, I was going to say the weird thing with Jennifer Tilly is not only does she play a character, she's actually a character in the Child's Play franchise. Um, the actual actress, Jennifer Tilly, playing Jennifer Tilly. Yeah. Oh, she's playing herself in the franchise? Not and, always. Uh, uh, it's eventually. It takes a while to get there. Uh, oh, right, right, right. <laughs> right, right. But as as the bride of Chucky, she plays a third party, right? She plays, she plays, yeah, somebody else. Yeah. Completely gotcha, gotcha. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, like they, uh, they, that's a big plot point in, I think, the second season of the TV show. Right, right. Yeah, and the first thing my, my, my kids asked, or not my kids, my, my youngest, Vivian, because my other kid doesn't like talking about scary films, um, was uh, if The Bride of Chucky was in there. And I go, no, no, that's a different film. That's a different film. Sorry. But, yeah. Um, all right, so anything else anybody wanted to bring up about any of the four films? 
All right, I guess that's it. So, so definitely an eclectic mix. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, very eclectic mix, actually. Um, yes, uh, another 1950s monster movie, two uh, Midnight Grindhouse 42nd Street films, and then as mainstream of a film as you can get um, for horror. And as, as you said, Mike, uh, now kids during the Halloween parade in elementary school are dressed as Chucky, and he's become... A, a standard monster for children that are 10 years old, like Dracula and Frankenstein were for us when we were 10 years old. Um, well, and, and even though I'm not a huge fan of the film franchise, Chucky's part of the popular culture. Now you talk, start talking about Chucky and people know what you're talking about. Yep. Oh yeah. Uh, absolutely. Even, even my wife who doesn't like any, science fiction, horror, or fantasy films, because she just thinks they're silly, um, knows Chucky, you know, even if she mm-hmm. has never seen any of the films. I mean, I knew Chucky, and I had never seen any of the films. Everybody knows Chucky. Right, that's what right. I'm saying. Yep, exactly. Yep. But did you ever see the, um, the viral videos where, uh, I think it was when Cult of Chucky came out, or Curse of Chucky, they, like, put uh, ads I think of and with like good guy dolls and boxes, and there were little people dressed up in Chucky costumes. Oh god! And so they oh put these god. ads out, and, then, and they would burst out of the box and chase people. <laughs> That's kind of hilarious. That and what, awesome. and what, 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 what was this? What, these YouTube videos? It was, in, it was part of an ad campaign for for either Curse or Cult of Chucky, oh. where people would like just <laughs> Chucky. We were like. Like like good guy doll boxes uses part of an ad and then he would like come out of the box and chase after people on the street. Yeah, that was like part of a thing that was going on for a little while. They did that with the Carrie remake too. They they staged uh, in a coffee shop uh, somebody having psychic powers and unleashing. Oh, okay. Too funny. Yep. Interesting. Um. All right, so uh, I guess that's it for our uh, New Year's resolution and bucket list film episode. Um, so I guess we can probably start wrapping up. Uh, but um, and, and and it's not like we can compare. We say which was your favorite of the four because all of us haven't seen all four. Uh, I've actually seen all four. I think you have. No, you haven't, Mike. Uh, you haven't, Eric, and you haven't, Barry. Yeah, so I'm the only one that's seen all four. Yep. You so, will. Yeah. It's so special. out of the four, I would say. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, I would say uh, Child's Play was the best of the four, and then, um, uh. And again, it's tough because I haven't seen the other three for a long time. But I'm going to go with um, – if, if there was no animal death, skin or holocaust, by far would be the second. Uh, but I'm going to put it third and go with um, the Ray Harry Austin film as second because I remember enjoying that for some reason. And I can't remember uh, what was it about that was pretty good besides – the cool monster on, on the bridge. And then uh, the zombie film that you ha- watched, Eric, I mean, uh, Barrett was, was the least favorite. Um, and not because it's a bad film, but again, I've seen his other films like zombie two and stuff and, and, and 
that's a better zombie film. So, um, but again, this isn't really a zombie film. It's it's more of a, like you said, a Cthulhu film. Yeah, it's more about the dread than it is about the zombies, really, and gruesome yeah. deaths. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think it was falsely advertised with the you know because they were trying to make it sound like it was a zombie film, and it really really isn't. Um, all right, sounds good. So uh, before we get into our final thoughts uh, on our specific film, uh, Eric, you actually do another podcast with your buddy Dan. I do. It's a general interest podcast called the Scancy Podcast. That's spelled A-S-K-A-N-C-I-T-Y. You can find it wherever you get podcasts. And uh, Barrett, uh, what's that podcast that I mean you do, and then we uh, bring in a bunch of other uh, co-hosts that come in and help us out? Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews, uh, anything goes podcast pretty much. Um, we have themes. We we have interviewed directors, writers, pretty much everything on there. Um, yeah, good one, too. All right. And uh, Mike, uh, what's that podcast that uh, me, you, Barrett are doing right now that's uh, about a TV show? That would be King of Kaiju, uh, which is uh, about the uh, Monarch Legacy of Monsters TV series on Apple TV+. Sounds good. And Barrett, what's that podcast that uh, me, you, Kevin Letts, and Sean Fox just wrapped up? Uh, Boa Hancock and the One Piece, based on the One Piece TV show on Netflix. The best TV show of the year, I'm going to say right now, since it's the end of the year. <laughs> I would probably concur. And, Eric, what's that podcast that you suggested after I tried to get Mission Impossible as a Dark Discussions <laughs> film? It's a cinema a la carte podcast. It's a, it's a podcast where me and Mike and Phil take turns picking movies that don't really fit under the Dark Discussions umbrella uh, and discuss them. Indeed, indeed. And uh, we're, we're going to record another one uh, in January, most likely, and uh, get that into the queue as well. Um, all right, so I guess we can get into our final thoughts on this this movie, uh, our movies uh, that we chose this week. Uh, so let's start with you, Mike. Uh, your final thoughts on the Ray Harry Harrison film, and what was the name of it again? It was It Came From Beneath the Sea. Um, I think there are much better giant monster movies from the 1950s, if that's what you're into. But it's certainly something that if you're a fan of Ray Harryhausen or a fan of giant monster movies from the 1950s, I could also uh, recommend uh, that you watch this to complete it. Uh, I would have a hard time recommending it to someone who is not already a fan of the genre, though. And uh, compared to Tarantula, which is the better of the two? Uh... It came from the beast to see has the better creature and better creature effects. I think the story is and is a bit better in Tarantula. Fair enough, fair enough. And once again, Mike chose Tarantula in a prior uh, bucket list New Year's resolution episode, and that's another 1950s giant monster film. Um, all right, let's go with you, uh, Barrett. Your final thoughts on what was the name of the movie again? City of the Living Dead. Um, it's not the best movie I've ever seen, but it has some really cool kills, some really cool practical effects. Uh, it's worth it watching just for that alone. I think the story is good as far as how it gets you to feel the dread in the film as things go on. Uh, and I didn't mention this earlier, but the uh, 
sound quality is really good as well. I, I, I liked how the sound was pulled together for it. Um, it. It was well done as well. So, yeah, it's worth seeing. All right, sounds good. Uh, yeah, for me, uh, my film was uh, Child's Play, 1988. Um, the, the film that um, a lot of people oddly just called the Chucky film, or Chucky. Uh, and I actually almost forgot that it was called Child's Play until I uh, decided to watch it. Kind of um, it up under Chucky, didn't find it. Yeah, well, <laughs> I did not. Um, I uh, it came to me eventually, but I was about to start searching for Chucky, and it's like, I go, yeah, that's right, it's not called Chucky, it's called Child's Play. Um, but uh, either way, um, yeah, I thought it was a really good film. Uh, it's uh, surprisingly um, as good as, as a lot of the the films that started a franchise, uh, and many of them are, you know, major classics, and, and I would consider... Uh, this one to easily fall in place with all of them, and it makes sense that uh, when you see all the Halloween uh, monster art that comes out every year, Chucky's right there with a ghost face and and Freddy and and Jason and Michael Myers and and Pinhead and Pennywise and on and on and on we go. Um, oh, and uh, did I say Freddy? Uh, Michael Myers, Jason. Yeah, I said it all pretty much. Oh, uh, Leatherface. That's another one. It's not important. Yeah, it's not important. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a good uh, film. Uh, I recommend. And if you have missed it, um, like someone that does a horror pack cast like me, um, definitely go check it out. It's, it's worth checking out. And Eric, your film again, and your thoughts. Uh, I finally checked out Cannibal Holocaust and uh, found out that it deserves every single ounce of its nasty reputation. Um, it is, uh, I will say it was an extremely well-made film. And um, if its objective is to disgust you, then it succeeded. Um, so I will see, I will say it's a well-made movie that I did not enjoy watching um, because I thought it was really depressing and gross. Um, so I probably won't watch it again, but I can check it off my list now. And animal lovers think twice about watching this movie. And uh, did you watch it with anybody like with Dan or anybody like that? Oh no, I'm not going to subject anybody else to this. <laughs> and has Watson seen it? And did you talk to him about it? Has who seen it? Watson. Oh, uh, I'm sure Watson has seen it. Yeah. In fact, he, he, uh, I told him I was watching it and he said, that's a good movie. Yep. Fair enough. All right. Sounds good. So, uh, once again, uh, as we have done every year for the past multiple years, it's, it's probably maybe more years we've done it than not, uh, in our podcast history. Uh, the new year resolution bucket list episode where there was a complete listing of episodes somewhere where you could check that. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. yeah that would be convenient. Yeah. Mike, Mike brought that up on Tuesday when we did the, the monitor. Hey, you did your job for him. <laughs> yeah. For you. Yeah. Um, but, but either way, um, uh, it's usually one of our most listened to episodes. Um, for whatever reason, uh, people enjoy it. 
Um, and uh, we were able to check off uh, four more films this year that each of us have missed that we always wanted to see, whether they were good or not. Uh, that's why we uh, finally saw them, to actually find out and give our thoughts. Um, and so that's pretty much it. Uh, soon enough, uh, we're coming out with our 2023 recap episode, so look for that near the middle uh, to end of January uh, as we... Uh, uh, catch up on some, some final films and whatnot. We usually release it uh, um, late to middle uh, January uh, each year. Um, and uh, also we do have some other episodes of uh, various other horror films of note uh, that are coming out, including um, some also some of our uh, older episodes that are in the queue that are, are also going to be coming out. And we probably will have uh, a January episode where that we're at least going to record and probably release in February of one of our Patreon picks. And uh, so look out for that as well. Um, so that's pretty much uh, the episode. Dark discussions at AOL.com. Email us and put DDP in the, in the subject line along with your subject. And we will uh, read your email on the podcast and we have a Facebook group, Dark Discussions Podcast Facebook group, join in the conversation. Uh, and we do have uh, the Dark Discussions www.darkdiscussions.com website. And with all that stated, Eric, why don't you do this up? All right. Thanks for tuning in and listening to our New Year's resolution episode. Come back next week. We'll have another topic. <laughs>